Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. It's gonna be a crazy episode. Fabricating no falsehoods. Stories told, can't trust me. In average life, nobody has lost track of reality. If you saw this happen, you wouldn't believe your eyes. This crazy perky straight teller down right by. Greetings and welcome to the Downright Lies podcast. This is the ninth episode of the first season, and I am your host, the Big Dirty Monster. And I am very excited that you're here. If you are a child listening to this for the first time, I just want you to know that um, there is no other place where you're going to hear as much truth as you're hearing right here on this podcast. Uh, Not at school, not at church, uh, not from your grandparents or parents, only here where you're hearing from me, the big dirty monster, will you hear the ultimate amount of truth. And with the ultimate amount of truth, I always want to make sure that I'm giving you as much backing evidence as I can. So generally I will, um, I will play voicemails on these episodes, but you know what? Uh, right now I happen to see, oh, oh, uh, Hey, uh, Mrs. Dirty monster. Will you come over here? What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you know how I've been doing this podcast? Uh, the downright lies, yeah. So, um, you know, the past couple episodes have kind of been, you know, have kind of been about you, uh, you know, how we met, and then, uh, you know, one of our ba- our children that was born. I just wanted you to, oh, oh, yeah, it, it is sweet, yeah. Um, I, I was just wondering if if you would back up, you know, or or confirm my stories. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, you know, just just let let my adoring audience know that everything that I'm telling them is. 100% true. You mean our children? That's your audience. No. Yeah. No, no. There, there's millions of people listening to this. Uh, why are you laughing? Uh, they are not, babe. Yeah. You're yes. cute. I see. I'm not cute. I'm the big dirty monster. Uh-huh. I see the reviews. I see the numbers. Millions of people are listening. Okay, Trump. No. No. I'm the big dirty monster. Okay. okay. So, last week's episode yeah. was when... Uh, you know, we have so many children. I don't. I don't even know all their names or which one it was. Um, but we had Sad an episode. What? Sad, but tr- yeah. Okay. All right. See, everybody. She said it was true. What I said. Okay. Uh, but you know, it, it talked about you know how I put the rocket on the on the truck so I could get to uh, one of the kids' births quicker. You remember how I, I came launching in through the the window while you were giving birth? You remember that? No, I remember being alone with two girls and having to birth this kid, waiting for you to show up. Right, but but I got there. Remember the rocket truck? No. What do you I, mean no? There was no such a rocket truck. <laughs> what are you talking about, babe? Okay, well, um, obviously you didn't see the rocket truck because you were in active labor in the hospital, but, I mean, it was there. I mean, you've seen me tinkering on the truck in the driveway. You, <laughs> tinkering, you're not Sam Claus. You no. don't have some rocket ship attached to some sleigh that you magically appeared. No, I, it wasn't magic. I, you know, using science and mechanics, I built a rocket okay. and. Babe, I am not one of your realers or. No, no, truth. the downright lies truthers, dear. Babe, I was there. I know the story. I know what happened. Thank God he's alive. Oh, okay, well, uh, obviously, Mrs. Dirty Monster is suffering from some kind of uh, traumatic brain injury. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, but yes, thank you. Uh, obviously, that supports all of my stories. Oh thank my you very gosh. much. Man, there is uh, nothing more exciting than being totally confirmed 
in every way, especially by the woman you love. Um, so I'm just so glad. Thank you to Mrs. Dirty Monster for uh, taking the time to come and talk with us here. Um, again, everything I say is 100, 110, 130% true. And so with all this uh, confirmed truth from all these uh, past episodes, let's go ahead and move into uh, this week's story. Clayton, Missouri, 2005. She was stunning. My jaw nearly hit the floor as she walked into her parents' living room. She had a breathtaking new haircut and a dress that made it difficult for me to keep my thoughts chased. I stuttered nonsensically as I held out the corsage I had procured for her. She gave me a knowing smirk as she held out her hand to me. I delicately slipped the corsage on her wrist and finally was able to maintain my composure. She pinned her boutonniere to my lapel and we took the traditional photo in front of her family fireplace. Then we got into my 1995 silver Ford Taurus and drove out to meet her friends for dinner before her senior prom commenced. Dinner was fine, but uneventful. The real fun was to be had on the dance floor. If you know me at all, you know that I am quite the dancer. Salsa, tango, hip-hop, tap, jazz, ballet, I excel at all forms. In fact, the periodical Dancing Times has done a three-part article on my abilities and questioning why I never pursued a professional career in the dance world. I am sure you are aware of it, as most news outlets picked it up and ran it as the front page of their papers and websites. Anyway, the DJ was playing hit after hit, and my girlfriend and I were working up quite the sweat as we shimmied and shook all over the dance floor. After a particularly upbeat number, I excused myself to use the restroom. I was surprised to find the hallway empty as I made my way to the facilities. Generally, boys would be filling the hall, nervous about attempting to dance. But not this time for some reason. Odd. I pushed open the door to the restroom and found several large men, all wearing nice suits, but obviously from a rougher background. As I attempted to walk towards the row of urinals, one of the gentlemen placed his hand firmly on my chest and said, Bathroom is closed, in a thick Russian accent. I looked down at his hand as it rested on my chest. I brushed it aside and said, There's no sign saying such and began to walk towards the urinals again. Bathroom is closed, he said more aggressively as he stopped me again. I grabbed his hand and applied pressure to the space between his thumb and forefinger. The man fell to his knees, obviously not expecting the shocking amount of pain I applied to this pressure point. I will use the restroom quickly, and then will leave you gentlemen alone, I said as I released his hand, and then relieved myself at the urinal. Upon completion, I turned around to make my way towards the sink. The gentlemen had no intention of letting me pass them, I could see. All five of them had formed a semicircle around me. They were cracking their knuckles, making fists, and generally trying to be intimidating. I'm not looking for trouble, friends, I said, hoping to assuage their anger. We are not trouble, the one whose hand I had hurt said. We are your end. 
He lunged at me and quickly sidestepped his tackle and deftly tripped him as he passed. Unfortunately for him, he went face first into the urinal I had just used. Two more of the brutes came at me, fists swinging. I blocked one and grabbed the other's arm as he swung. I used his momentum to pull him into the other gentleman whom I had just blocked. They tumbled to the ground and yelled at each other in Russian. My understanding of Russian is very basic, but I believe they were questioning how I was able to best them so swiftly. The last two reached into their pockets and pulled out knives. I quickly whipped off my tuxedo jacket and wrapped it around my left forearm to use as a shield. I reached beneath my cummerbund and pulled out my own butterfly knife. I flipped the blade out and held the tip out facing my opponents. The one on my left struck first. Ha! I blocked his blade with my own oh! and then struck him with my shielded arm. Take that! He grunted as he went down. <laughs> I leapt over him and met the final gentleman. Ah. After several feints and missed jabs, <laughs> I stabbed his knife hand. Ha! He dropped his blade, but quickly grabbed both of my hands with his own. Gotcha! We struggled for a few moments until I headbutted him on the bridge of his nose. He fell backwards onto his backside, clutching his badly broken nose. Oh, my nose! I calmly walked to the row of sinks and washed my hands. I have a high standard for my level of personal cleanliness, and a brawl with five members of the violent Russian mob is no reason to delay washing one's hands after using the lavatory. As I dried my hands with a towel and tossed it into the trash can, I turned to see that all five of my adversaries had risen from the ground and once again had encircled me. Would you gentlemen care to wash your hands before we proceed? I asked. I was, of course, concerned about their own personal hygiene. But to be honest, I was mostly worried about having to touch their hands after they had been on the bathroom floor. I know it was a nice hotel, but still, it was a public restroom. I received no answer but several menacing glares. Very well, I muttered, resigning myself to having to wash my hands once more, once the pugilism was complete. Two of them charged me at once. I kicked one in the face, but the other grabbed my arm. Before I could extract myself, the third man grabbed my other arm. I stomped on the first goon's foot. He grunted, but held on. Number four and five slowly approached me, knives drawn. The gentleman on the right said, in Russian, Where are we going to put the body? We cannot have him discovered while we are here. It could ruin the business transaction with the Irish. I responded back in perfect Russian, a Moscowian accent clear in my words. You should be more worried about how you're going to get yourselves out of here after the beating I am about to deliver to you. They all laughed reflectively, but then stopped once they realized I had responded in their native tongue. I was pen pals with Gorbachev, I said, explaining my knowledge of Russian. They stared dumbfounded. I leapt up, using their hands on my arms as pivot points, and kicked the two in front of me simultaneously in their faces. As my feet came back down to the floor, I pulled my hands together in front of me and managed to slam the two holding me together. There was a loud crack as their heads connected. They fell limply to the ground. I hesitated to tell you this because it is embarrassing, but I lost track of the one I had initially kicked in the face. He tackled me, his arms around my midsection. I thought quickly, and as I fell backwards, I was able to turn the momentum into a reverse somersault. 
I used the inertia of our bodies tumbling, and as I came out of the roll, I flung the man into the wall behind us. There was an unsettling sound as he collided with the tiled wall. I was glad to hear him whimper, though, as he lay on the floor. <laughs> I have been in many skirmishes, but I had never ended a man's life. I was glad to see that my streak continued. I turned to face my remaining two opponents. They stared at me in fear. I returned their gaze. After a pregnant pause, I said, Shall we boogie, or have you had enough? They both threw down their knives and backed up to the furthest wall. I went and inspected the other three men laying on the ground. They were all out cold, but breathing steadily. I did not envy the pain they would be in when they awoke, but they would live, and likely with minimal loss to their fine motor skills. I washed my hands once again, keeping my eye upon the two men at the back wall. As I put my tuxedo jacket back on, I tisked at the rumpled state of it. I turned to the two men and said, I hope for your sake, gentlemen, that there is no additional fee for having this jacket ironed out. One of them reached in his pocket and pulled out a billfold. He sheepishly approached and handed me five crisp hundred dollar bills. I placed the bills in my front pocket and reached out my hand to him. He looked at me afraid. Droga, I said, the Russian word for friend. He stared at me and then cracked a slight smile. He took my hand and shook it vigorously. I nodded to him and went back out to the dance floor. My ever-gracious girlfriend noticed my rumpled jacket and gave me a quizzical look. There were some gentlemen in the restroom that needed some straightening out. I hope it doesn't ruin our evening. She smiled at me and pulled me in for a warm embrace. We slow danced to InSync's smash hit. God must have spent a little more time on you. I held her close and dreamed of how we would one day have a life together. Anyway, that's why the Russian mob calls me Druzhelyubny Javel, or the Friendly Devil. Well, there you have it, folks. That is the tale of the last time I went to a uh, prom uh, that was with the love of my life that you heard earlier this episode, the uh, Mrs. Dirty Monster. Uh, if you'd like to follow her on Instagram, she's at Mrs. Dirty Monster. Uh, I am, of course, Big Dirty Monster on Instagram. Uh, if you'd like to contact me, you can uh, follow me there and send me a message, or you can email me at downrightliespod at gmail.com. I'd like to thank Matthew Jamison for creating the music for this uh, podcast. You can find him on Instagram at mjamison23. Also, I'd like to thank William Bubenick uh, for creating all the uh, artwork for this podcast. He is West Park Creative STL on Instagram. Uh, let's see. We are winding this season down. Season one of the Downright Lies podcast. Uh, next week will be se- uh, episode 10, and that will be the final episode of this first season. Um, I know that you guys have been hounding me and begging and really, honestly, getting on my nerves, but, uh, I have spoken with Dax Shepard and he has, uh, given me permission to share, uh, the true story of how, um, he actually injured his hand earlier this year. So, uh, join us next week for, uh, episode 10, uh, the season finale of the downright lies podcast season one. And I want you to remember that I always tell the truth. <laughs>